0: Hi, my name is John Casher, and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk. All things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Before we get started, a quick reminder that all the information in this podcast is of a general nature and is not tailored to your personal circumstances. So please seek personal financial advice before acting on any of this information. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Hannah Richards. Hannah, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast because you are just an incredible human, but also I feel like the work you do is so life-changing for so many of your clients. So I'm really excited to jump into it. Um, For anyone that hasn't met Hannah, she is a money coach, um, and she works a lot with her clients on the budgeting and behavioral and mindset side of money. So without further ado, Hannah,
1: welcome. Thank you, Nicola. I'm so excited to be here and just be chatting with you today. I know we've already been chatting a bit before we've even jumped into the podcast today.
0: I feel like we could talk for hours, like even if we just go for coffee or something, we end up chatting about so much money stuff. Um, But yeah, did you want to tell us firstly, I guess, a little bit about you, what your background is and how you got into money coaching?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up here in Perth. I'm a pretty typical, hardworking Capricorn. Um, I was uh, in the corporate world as an investment decision analyst for the first seven years of my career and just had this experience through COVID, which I'm sure many can relate to, of having this time and space to reflect on your life <laughs> What you're doing and I guess I was entering mid to late 20s as well and just questioning um, plans for my life and and realized that I had been stuck in this in this cycle of like putting my career first and pushing everything else that I wanted to do with my life out further. Um, So over the last 18, 18 months I transitioned away from the corporate world and became full-time in my business as a money coach at the end of um, February this year. So I'm so excited and just loving life right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, incredible. Because I know for a while you were sort of juggling both. Um, Mm. And I know it's like a big step to, I guess, take that leap into just running your own business. And I'm, I'm sure it's so exciting to be able to take that step. But did you find that transition difficult in terms of stepping away from your kind of nine to five Probably not nine to five, but you know your corporate job yeah. <laughs> into your own business.
1: <laughs> oh, I guess it's, it's gotta be the most difficult, um, most difficult time of my life. But also, if you're feeling it's difficult, but only for a good reason, right? Because you're so excited mm-hmm. to be building something and creating something and helping helping people and finding um, that you're on the path to something something really good. So it was difficult, but awesome at the same time to just be following my passion and helping, helping people with, with finance. Yeah. Incredible. And I guess
0: in terms of getting into money coaching, do you think that your money upbringing, like, do you think that impacted the path that you've sort of gone on or what was your personal, I guess, story or feeling about money that I guess led you to become interested in doing coaching?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, good question. <laughs> Something I talk about a lot with clients when we really get into it. Um, Cause we operate on autopilot, don't we? Until we start mm-hmm. to realize, wait, how many of my habits are actually just the same the habits with money, the same thing that my parents did. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, yeah <laughs> so I grew up with two two parents as teachers um but I, I saw like how they spent their, their money and they were pretty they were pretty good with it so I would say that I pretty much mirrored um their their values so far in terms of having money for activities we had money for ho- activities family holidays eating out um but I was quite aware that of the trade-offs there like it, we wouldn't go shopping or takeaway was a treat my parents never upgraded their car um so that trade-off was always pretty pretty apparent to me mm-hmm. um so I recognized that was probably set the good foundation it set the good foundation for being able to um save be, be a typical saver I guess and then I realized speaking to a lot of other friends throughout my 20s that not everyone got that um, upbringing or had that influence in their life. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes parents try and do the right thing and uh, act like money is super easy for children. But then we have this belief that, oh, money is really easy and it doesn't need to be managed when actually um, being in control of it can be one of the healthiest things that you can do.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's crazy that how how strong of an influence our upbringing has on our money beliefs and our money patterns. And it's mm. not until we actually realise that until yeah. we give it some power because I think we think, because there's a lot of us in our kind of subconscious, we're not really noticeably on a day-to-day basis thinking, oh, this is why I act this way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's so, so interesting. Um, And I'm really excited to like dive deeper into I guess, your clients and how you help them with their money beliefs and their money behaviours. Do you want to give a little bit of insight into um, what your typical client looks like? I know they're all super different, I'm sure. But um, (laughs) yeah, who do you typically help?
1: Yeah, for sure. So... Typical client, um, I mean, I NAB, NAB does this survey every, every quarter that tracks financial well-being, and mm-hmm. the last quarter results were that 40% of Australians experienced some form of financial stress or hardship. <laughs> so typical client is someone experiencing financial stress um, or hardship, so it's absolutely a huge problem at the moment that is not getting addressed as well as it should be. um. Typically clients come to me when they have tried budget methods before and they haven't worked. So Mm -hmm. maybe they've tried all different sorts. Maybe they've tried, um, implement it and it hasn't stuck, or maybe they've tried to like go into their, uh, it sort of bills and add it all up and it's just become too overwhelming and they realize that okay this isn't something that we are able to get results doing by ourselves, and we need an expert to be able to come in and see where we're um where we're falling down and where we can get some help um what they realize like through coaching is that those traditional I just find those traditional budget methods don't work of like keeping an absolute strict dollar for dollar where is my money going to go each pay writing it down and then it just never works out mm. the way I've planned and maybe it works for like a week or two and then you fall off the wagon you lose focus something comes up you don't reach a goal there's a number of things that'll um that'll sort of wane that commitment to continuing on doing it So a lot of clients come to me there looking for a solution that isn't just your typical like strict budget. Okay.
0: So it's complex, I feel. Like you said, it's you can't just sort of set the plan and leave it. It's a combination of perhaps accountability as well as managing their behaviours and mindsets and beliefs. Budgeting is an yeah. interesting one because some people are really for it. Some people don't use one at all, but still seem to stay on track with their money. Mm. For for people who have been stuck in that scenario where um they've tried to create a budget that works for them and it doesn't seem to be working, what are some tips that you would
1: give them? Mm. Yeah, for sure. It um happens all too all too commonly. Um, and if we're number one is like if often if we're too strict on ourselves so if if we try and start with okay I'm going to do a no spend for two weeks for example and then we absolutely restrict ourselves for two weeks it's kind of like a bad diet like we end up doing it and then we absolutely have restricted ourselves so much that we end up just emotionally spending and blowing out afterwards because Mm -hmm. oh we haven't being able to spend on ourselves for two weeks, right? Yeah. (laughs) So the key is to be able to find um, a balance with your money. So instead of like trying to stick to this strict budget, I would say step one is have a system that automates your bills and payments for your bills. Because if you are at spending a lot of time you know bills come in and they're not automated you have to figure out how to pay them you don't know when your big annual car insurance bill is coming around or registration bill council rates any of those big bills and you're not on top of them then you're spending all your time trying to work out how to pay them and and how to manage them rather than having some kind of um like a system where it's you already know what your bills are and it's all automatically uh, money is put away every paycheck to pay your bills. So then you can free up your time to be able to um, spend your time on like saving strategies and analyzing rest of the money, like the discretionary spending. So my first step is, yeah, have a system that automates your bills. Mm -hmm. Then all you need to do is focus on the the rest, which is um, analyzing and tracking your discretionary spending. working out a balance there between saving and, and, um, and spending.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I think that when we get caught up in that day to day, like granular level, it's kind of hard to zoom out and look at our big financial picture. And I'm sure that's like a big part of what you do in terms of helping clients zoom out and actually track like their progress over time. Mm. Um, And you mentioned as well, I guess making sure we've got good systems in place to make sure that you can't kind of get in your own way. So mm-hmm. you touch on systems. What are some of the systems you use with your clients to help them, you know, track and stay accountable to their goals?
1: Mm, yeah, good question. So we need to, uh, in terms of goals, we need to train our subconscious to focus on our goals, <laughs> first mm-hmm. of all. So if we can make something visual, like an example is, you know, if you want a new car and then you, okay, you decide I want this model. And then all of a sudden you start seeing that model driving around everywhere. Mm. We need to train our brain to be able to focus on what the goal is that we are working towards. So it sounds like you might think, okay, this sounds silly, but it actually is what works is having some kind of visualization of your goal. So whether that is a tracker, like a savings tracker that you've got on your fridge or um, you've got your goal, very specific goal. I will save $500 by the end of this year, for example. It's written on your phone screensaver. Like it's just kind of training that subconscious mind to focus on what it is that we're going after is, is probably the biggest one when it, terms to, when it comes to goals mm-hmm. um, system there. But definitely, I mean, having accountability around that as well, then either you can get um, – get a friend to meet up with you or have time blocked in your calendar. Um, I find that a lot of my clients, the initial sessions, they say to me, we'll catch up and I'll say, okay, how did the, how did the work go? You know, homework going between our sessions. And they'll say, okay, I crammed it all in just before this session. (laughs) You're first starting a new habit. You really need that accountability there um, to make sure that the hard work gets done so that it becomes easier for the rest of your life after that
0: yeah particularly because i think we're not super used to having accountability necessarily with our money because Mm. it's something that you know you might have say like an accountability buddy for the gym and you're going to go both go three times a week or whatever it is but with Mm. money for some people it's not something that they're comfortable talking about maybe they talk about it with their partner um but it still is a little bit of a taboo sort of topic. I feel like I'm a little bit immune to it because I'm so used to talking about it every single day because of my job. But I almost forget that it actually still is a topic that you're not necessarily going to talk to with about, sorry, with that many people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so some people might not have anyone they're talking to about it. And so I think Mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's such a big thing having someone that's Checking in with you regularly. I know we find for our clients that accountability is really important.
1: Mm, Yeah, I. I mean, even with even with couples, Mm -hmm. um, if you aren't actively setting aside time to about okay, what's coming up uh, for us over the next month or two, both events, and then that can um, that can kind of tell you what you need to be putting money away for. And uh, in terms of your expenses, like even if we're not having even that simple step of blocking out time mm-hmm. and planning ahead for what's coming up, then what happens is I see we end up, we get, we go to payday, everything's okay. And then we end up getting towards the end of payday and We need to pull money from savings or we've got not much in the bank account. And then it becomes a blame game of you spent money. Where did you spend money this month? Or where did you spend money this month? And the only way to get out of that is by like proactively setting up specific times for you to be able to catch up as a couple um, and proactively ahead of time plan out what expenses are coming out so that you don't end up at the end of the month being uncertain of where your money's gone
0: yeah this is such an interesting conversation, and I we have chatted about it a little bit briefly on the podcast, but yeah, money in relationships is a really complex one because often, one, I think we forget it's something we need to you know, actively prioritize and make time for and um sort of have those regular check-ins. But mm. also you've got two people coming into a relationship potentially with different money beliefs, different money systems, um, mm. a different spending patterns what are some of the like common issues that you find come up with couples? um, And how, how do you sort of manage these?
1: Mm, Yeah. I mean, I could, I could talk about that for an hour, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would say, I mean, the one that I just spoke to is, is pretty common. That sort of reactionary um, approach to money rather than proactive approach. Uh, one of the other ones that I see is as you mentioned um, not having conversations to understand your partner's relationship with money at a deeper level so often couples will come to me and they'll say that okay my partner and I have different behaviors or attitudes with money Mm -hmm. and if we don't really truly understand where that person is coming from and often i mean each person doesn't know themselves until they've dived into it why they are uh, why they do the things that they do with money and why they buy the things that they do with money um so we kind of need to go through that process first of okay what are each of your values and do you feel like where you're spending your money right now is aligned with those values and how did your parents spend money how does the way that you act um Uh, with money and what line up with, you know, the way that say your parents or you just acted or you're operating under, under default um, versus is your spending aligned with values and getting to couples to talk about their values and about how their parents acted with money gives a real insight into why your partner may act the way that they are with money and it helps really then have a deeper conversation about okay as a couple what are our values and um, where do we want to be putting our money spending our money and what sort of goals are most important to us
0: yeah that's so powerful because I feel like yeah if we're not on the same page it can bring up a lot of I guess tension and friction and blame mm. and yeah, I'm pretty sure money is one of the biggest, you know, um, causes of I guess arguments within couples because mm. it is something that you know everyone has has to deal with. It's um, something we all face, mm. and I think it's it's so interesting. I'm not sure if you've been watching the show. I'll um called How to Get Rich with Ramit Sethi on Netflix. I've
1: seen like a trailer for it, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's actually super interesting just from the, that simple perspective of like working with couples and, yeah, I guess understanding more about why those issues come up and, and what, the deeper, mm. what the deeper cause is. Um, yeah, like we said, I feel like we could talk about this for literally hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I want to dive deeper into, I guess, more on that behavioural side of, like why do our, why does our upbringing influence our money behaviours? Um, mm. It's so interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, it's basically up until the age, about the age of seven, our we've learned our money habits. Wow. So a- as children, we are our brains are like sponges and we just soak up everything around us. Mm. So as children, we don't have the knowledge and the education around money to actually understand what's going on. All that we soak up is the way that our parents talk about money, how often it's spoken about, whether they're on the same page with it, we sometimes um, might see them fighting, and it might be something, uh, you know, in relation to who's bought the dinner that night or um, a holiday vacation, right? It might not even, as an adult, you're aware that this it's like such a complex argument, but as a child, all we do is kind of associate, oh mom and dad are fighting and it was something about them buying something or dad working or mum working you know and we kind of make these loose associations and we have we make these beliefs that maybe um money causes arguments or money is difficult to manage or um one person in the household makes the money and the other one um doesn't really get to spend it all the time you know we we create all of these beliefs literally from before the age of seven um and then we keep operating out of these default beliefs that have just been ingrained in us and until we actually start to dive into those um later in life then they kind of they just stick with us and they drive all of our actions and behaviors um as an adult it's it's wild
0: yeah it's crazy because we might have, I guess, certain values that aren't necessarily the same as our parents. But Mm. if we're still stuck in that cycle of, I guess, living out those mindsets and beliefs that we grew up with, we might not actually be acting in accordance with our values, which is, yeah, it's just really interesting because I feel like a lot of the, I guess, I'm sure you see this a lot in your coaching, like Mm. clients come along with, a seemingly surface level issue, maybe they're overspending or they're accruing a lot of credit card debt. And it's sort of, I think on a default level, is just like a be more disciplined sort of thing. Mm. I know that comes up a lot, but maybe there's actually a deeper root cause or like a deeper um narrative that goes on that's causing that behavior without them sort of even knowing until it's uncovered.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's um, I don't think I've ever, ever, ever subscribed to the belief that okay, you just need to stick at, um, stick with your budget or try harder or yeah, I've never subscribed to that belief. I've always, um, known that okay, there's something deeper going on, and we need to work out what that is and what that particular person's circumstances are that um, is kind of driving them to operate out of, whether it is fear or shame or guilt. Um, As you you mentioned, uh, shame can be quite a big one that um, we're we're operating out of if we are not spending in line with our values, Um, but we often haven't realised that that's what we're feeling. kind of surface level feelings if if clients come to me and they say that they're feeling a bit of a lack of d- direction or stuck or not feeling motivated. Um, they're a bit confused about what their goal should be or where they should be. Should they be saving at all? You know, um, all of that indicates to me that they're feeling really confused and conflicted because the way that they are operating, is not in line with um, who they feel they are, like their values wise. And so it feels really all confusing um, for them and trying to untangle all of that can be quite a journey to go through.
0: Mm. Yeah, I can imagine because, yeah, like you said, it's not it's not as simple as just cutting back on certain categories or mm. quote unquote being more disciplined. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that narrative comes up in a lot of, Areas, and you know, to some extent, yes, discipline is important, but it's like what's actually the the driving root cause of that. Um mm. and I think emotional spending is something that a lot of people do struggle with. Um, I guess in terms of like say more tangible tips, because I feel like often we spend because maybe we're stressed or tired, we've had a bad day, and it kind of gives us that like dopamine hit of like we've made the purchase Mm. and then it comes in the mail and it's kind of like another dopamine hit yeah um what tips do you give to people that I guess struggle with emotional spending
1: Mm. yeah so I say that it's um in terms of discipline and being able to show up for your money the the key is having the discipline to put in the work to be reflective um because too often we jump to a conclusion like say we've done we've we've made a regretful purchase and too often we just um jump to the conclusion of okay, well, this is another sign that I'm not good with money, right? Maybe there's some underlying belief there that I'm not good with money anyway. And this is just, and my brain is filtering for, for um, that. And this is just another sign that I'm not good with money. And so we don't put any effort in then to going back and reflecting on what actually happened with the situation and all of the details around it. So what I get clients to do is, and some tips, I guess, for anyone going through this is, um, to look at it. Maybe if come back a few days later when the emotion is taken out of it and just go through and write down answers to some of these questions, which is what day of the week was the purchase? What time was it? Um, What was I doing at the time? Was I with someone else? Was I, um, by myself? Um, what had I been doing? This is a big one. Like what had I been doing a day or two before? Um, I often find that the emotional purchase is like the last stepping stone. There's been a whole lot of other things that have gone on a few days before maybe you've had some unexpected bills come up maybe you've had some bad news at work like there's some emotional trigger that has happened a day or two before for example and we haven't addressed that and we've just put it to the side it's so easy when we're when we're working right we're in busy jobs um mm. to just put something to the side and not really think about it but what happens is the emotion like boils down there and it's just like locked away but it's going to come out somehow because um we we haven't addressed it and then we end up getting um feeling that lack of control right because that yeah. emotion is like sitting down there boiling away and we kind of like over time losing that lack of control and so we 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 go in emotional spend um to try and gain that that control back but it's this false sense of control mm-hmm. so What I do is get clients to um, do this sort of uh, analysis, right? It's not one go and, all right, there's the answer, you can fix it. But start to get a bit of a log of your um, emotional spending or spending where you do feel regret and start to get a bit of a log and you'll probably find some commonalities um, around those purchases that you won't have realized before. Like maybe it's – maybe you find that you're always – uh making them because of emails that come through so okay then we need to like unsubscribe from our emails right like or promotional emails maybe it's because um you've got a friend that really triggers you and a friend that spends a lot and so you're always spending more when you're with that friend um, but it's really hard to notice until you've gone through and actually recognized yourself that, um, that's occurring
0: mm. Yeah, some of those external triggers can be really strong because I guess, well, one, you mentioned, I guess, there's that keeping up with the Joneses that sort of some of us potentially struggle with. Um, And then also on the marketing side, like I was talking about it the other day, you know, I did that. I did a big unfollow of like unsubscribing to email newsletters, unsubscribing on social media because the marketing is so strong. They're literally, you know, trying to, influence us to buy every second of Mm. every day really and it only takes that moment where we're stressed or tired or we've had a big day or we feel like we want to reward ourselves that it's it's so easy to cave from it and sometimes I think if we just take away that temptation and stop having to rely so much I guess on our willpower it Mm. it just means I guess that not that we can't buy things but it's just that our spending is more intentional and less sort of reactive to just Mm. friends and the triggers going on around us
1: yeah 100 percent um there's been lots of many studies done to say that people don't have different levels of willpower there's just that some people actively take steps so that they're not in the way of influence um Mm. so setting even like setting boundaries as you say um setting boundaries with what you will and won't um accept to come into your life so emails exactly like maybe you delete some emails if they are um if you're finding that you're purchasing and you're getting drawn into that marketing like because i find so often that let's say that your purchase let's say you got an email come through you got the promotion, you bought it. Um even if it was a good purchase, so often you're still going to feel bad about it because it because you know that it wasn't in your control. It was like dictated by someone else. So even mm. if you get pretty good use out of it, you still always have the underlying uncertainty of like, should I have really done that? Because it was driven by someone else's timeline, not yours. Um, and the same thing, yeah, with boundaries is like if you have a parent or a friend, for example, that, as I mentioned, they they have different um, money habits to you and maybe they are often dictating where you guys go for dinner or um, where you go for holidays and you're often influenced by their spending. Um, Then being able to learn how to kind of set those boundaries with that friend, um, it can be so difficult. But it really—it can be the difference between why, if you're finding that budgeting hasn't worked for you in the past, is because of we need all of these other skills um, to be able to put our money where we actually want it to go, right? Yeah, the boundaries one.
0: I, okay, I want to chat more about this because I think it's so interesting, and and we do have a lot of pressure from you know our our friend whether that's from our friends around where they want to go out for dinner, where they want to go out for drinks or kind of holidays Mm -hmm. they want to go on, or maybe it's family that um, expect us to have X, Y, Z wedding to certain amount of guests, certain amount of, you know, um, flair, et cetera. And I think it's a really tough one because it sounds easy in theory to sort of say no, but it can be really uncomfortable to like stand up and sort of assert those boundaries when push comes to shove. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to know how you sort of, I guess, help clients manage those expectations and I guess start to become more comfortable actually saying like, no, that's not in my budget or I'm actually saving for this holiday. So I can't do that. Or, mm. um, you know, asserting the fact that they've actually got goals that they want to work towards and maybe they can't say yes to everything, mm. um, because it, it is really difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is so difficult. As humans, we're naturally um, one of the, as far back as you go, we have been, our brains have been wired to be part of the herd and Mm -hmm. that's where we find safety. So to break free of that is absolutely the hardest thing that you can learn. Um, The best tip that I have is that, you do need to be able to, as you say, feel a sense of confidence in what you're saying before you're able to talk about that per- to that person um, around what your boundary is. So you need to have confidence in your own uh, system that you have with your money and where your goals are, where your money is going, what your values are. Because what I what what I see happen is. Um, if we don't have that system, and I mean, this is, I've done it, I mean, not just see happen, but I've done it before. um, Before I used to have any system for my money. Mm -hmm. I've definitely done it before where um, you will not have anything to stand on to be able to say. And so you just go along um, because you don't want to say, oh, I don't have the money for that. Right. Because if we don't have anything else to be able to say we end up saying, okay, I don't have the money for that. And then we end up feeling really shamed and really judged and no one wants that. So we end up going along with it. Whereas if we have a system for our money and we know what our goals are, we can come back with something much more empowering to say and much more with much more confidence. We can say, that's not in my budget right now, or I'm actually working towards this other goal. Like the examples that you gave, and when you say that, the other person actually goes, oh, wow, she's got a like <laughs> money together. Like they actually, it's the opposite of um, judgment. They actually really usually admire someone for being able to speak up and say um, so clearly that, okay, this isn't in my um, budget for this month, for example. Can we push it back for another month? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why we have to have those systems in place first. So that we can present that confidence that we're wanting to present.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it's something that we sort of also build up in our mind a little bit because I think mm-hmm. when we're realistic with ourselves like I'm sure I wouldn't want any of my friends to feel um, you know, pressured or anything like that, and I'm sure they wouldn't mm-hmm. want to make other people feel like that. but we sort of build it up in our mind that if oh if we say no or if we um, sort of assert that we've got this other priority, that they're going to judge us um Mm. when maybe that's not really the case at all it it might even open up a path to more of a conversation around money or um more transparency around money which i think is always a good thing
1: Mm. yeah definitely um you have to be aware of that everyone has different money personalities so if a friend is coming to you and saying, I mean, I've had this before. I've had clients have this before. A friend comes to them and says, you know, can I want to go on a holiday, like in two weeks time, let's just, you know, this is how I operate that I really need a holiday. Can't you do this for me? If you, if you are my friend and, um, that's really comes down to their own money personalities and how they are operating. It doesn't mean that you need to adopt that, um, that mindset or that mind frame that that frame of mind yourself um if someone is like pressuring you to act in a certain way with money that you don't feel comfortable with then just saying something quick like i need to get back to you or i need to sort out look at my own finances first um before you immediately kind of jump into their hype and their because they can you know it can be really exciting to like oh yeah let's just go and let's do something Um, unplanned and then but then you do end up feeling good about it the whole time
0: yeah definitely especially when we have so much access to I guess it's so easy to just be able to you know buy now pay later it or mm. put it on a credit card we we don't have to necessarily deal with the consequences right now we can take the holiday and then deal with the consequences later but it's it's not necessarily enjoyable when we do it that way because I know that if I say put a credit card on a whole like a holiday on a credit card just the kind of stress and thought that you'd have around that that you haven't fully afforded that Mm. is is going to kind of ruin the experience I think at least anyway um
1: yeah yeah I
0: think and also I guess like respecting that your friends and maybe going to have, and this can go for your partner as well, maybe different, Mm -hmm. um, like you said, money personalities or money priorities to you. And that's fine. Like some people more want to prioritize travel or experiences. And for other people, they want to have a really expensive gym membership and it's their health. But other people, Mm -hmm. they, they do like buying clothes and bags and that's okay too. And it's like that. I think we can't really like judge other people on what their money priority is just because ours is different. If that, Mm, Makes sense.
1: yeah a hundred percent like in the example that i just gave um someone who loves to be free-spirited with their money they may have grown up in a family where their family or their parents were never free-spirited with money like maybe their parents um always told them every day no we can't afford that no we can't do that we're going to do the same thing uh, we're going to eat the same meals you know we're not going to spontaneously get takeaway or they've kind of operated under this strict regime um not really allow their kids to just randomly go out and choose to do something so maybe someone has grown up with that kind of relationship with money and seeing that with their parents and then go okay well that was no fun at all and i'm going to do the complete opposite So Mm -hmm. it has to be really understanding, um, as we've spoken about all of this podcast today, understanding how both your own and then any of your friends or partners' um, uh, like upbringings were with with money and how that has has shaped the way that you act today. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think it's – there's so much to it and I guess although – maybe some people struggle with saving and budgeting i know there's also other people that struggle with spending and that maybe they mm. spend but then it's not guilt-free spending so how can we enable the systems to have spending where it's enjoyable because we know i've got the money for it and it's also guilt-free it's not like we've spent the money on something but then thought oh i should have saved this or mm. um you know because that ruins the experience of yeah. spending the money <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have definitely helped clients out as well who, exactly as you described, felt really guilty all the time um, with spending money. So, I mean, a surface level trick there is to set up your own kind of fun money account, or even, or even if you find that you're not spending on yourself very much, mm-hmm. then having an account where you specifically put money aside to spend on yourself. And it's going to feel awkward at first, but being able to wake up every day and say, I'm the kind of person who put like prioritizes me and my mental health and my emotional well-being so that I can show up in the best light to others. Mm-hmm you know, and you kind of remind yourself that you're the type of person who does that. Um, And then being able to follow through with that by kind of changing those habits and having that separate account that you know is guilt-free money um, can be really helpful in kind of flipping that automatic behavior that we've got going on, um, that that automatic like feeling of guilt for when we spend money on ourselves.
0: Mm, Because so much of it I feel becomes a part of an idea like our identity that Mm. um we're really bad at saving or um Mm. I don't like spending money or I don't have enough money to spend on myself or um I can't afford that and I think when we constantly replay those kind of thoughts in our head of like every time we say like the words I can't afford that it's Mm. sort of blocking like the fact that we could potentially afford it in the future if we if we made that our priority. Now, obviously, we can't prioritize everything. So then it comes down to what is it that's actually really important. But mm. I think that the problem with having those thoughts is that they become habits and then we have to work hard to undo them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So in that instance, I would, I would tell someone, instead of Instead of, I can't afford that, ask yourself, how can I afford that? Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you touched on identity there. I, even as I was uh, ironically, even as I was getting ready for this podcast um, today and I've always been good with, I mean, pretty good with money, but not good at all with time management. And I was getting ready for this podcast today and I was kind of standing doing my makeup and I was thinking, you know what? I, I really can't be late for jumping on with Nicola. Um, but I always end up, you know, how can I know what the time is? There's no clock in this bathroom. And mm-hmm. I just thought in that moment, you know what? Like I am going to say to myself from now on, I am the kind of person who wears a watch every day. Yeah. Right? So that I can, instead of complaining every day and saying to myself, oh, I'm always bad with time management and joking about it with other people, um, why don't I actually do something about changing my identity mm. around time management instead of just um, saying to myself, oh, I'm just bad with it. Why mm. don't I actually live and breathe as if I was someone who was good with time management and what would someone who's time good with time management do? They would wear a watch every day um, yes. and they would check it. It's the same thing that I say to my clients. Um, they One client came up with this and then I've told it to others and they absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. They always say to themselves, what would Hannah do? So when they're going to like buy, they're not sure whether to get a purchase. Um, Maybe it's like an extra thing at the grocery store. Um, Honestly, the number of times clients tell me that they've asked themselves this. It's so often they'll, they'll say to themselves, you know, what would Hannah do in this kind of situation? What would someone who was um, good with their money do? And then the more and more that you start acting in that way, the more and more we're training our ourselves to go, you know what, I am the kind of person who checks my bank account before I make a purchase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am the kind of person who, as you say, deletes emails um, before reading them, before I get scammed into games. And we're kind of like faking it till we make it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like it's almost, yeah, doing it, especially in the beginning, time it, it doesn't necessarily feel natural. So it's like, oh, this feels mm. uncomfortable. Yeah. That I'm having to kind of pretend to be this person that I'm not, or take on this new behavior that I'm not used to. But over time if we keep doing it, we we can become that person. Um and I know that I guess you work a lot with your clients on say paying down debt, um, setting up emergency funds, starting to save consistently. How does that mm. mindset play into that when say you know, maybe clients are paying down debt for the first time or saving for the first time mm. when in the past everything that's come in that has gone out, how do they then, I guess, change that narrative or, like, not build up resentment for the fact that now they're not spending this money, they're saving it? Like, how can they change that mindset of, oh, this feels like a chore Um mm. or, like, deprivation, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This feels like a chore is a is a very common one. It's um <laughs> being able to reward yourself after you do something or find a new like fun, go to a cafe or something. You, you number one, uh, if it feels like a chore, then um we've got to bring some fun into it somehow. Bring it, do it with a friend, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so the number one thing that I see there is look, no one likes having debt, right? I'm mean, yet yeah, to come across a single person who's like, oh, I love having, you know, consumer debt, I guess. We might love having debt for um, investment property or mm-hmm. um, shares or something, you know? But no one, no one loves having debt from a credit card, for example. Um, but what I see happen is we get into this loop of wanting to pay it off as quick as we can right and so we try and make all this progress to being able to start paying it off and then something will come up because unfortunately life is life and stuff happens outside of our control so we always we we have to plan knowing with almost the expectation that something will come up and derail us from our goal so instead of the first thing that you do being to um try and pay off the debt as quick as possible or try and hit a savings goal as quick as possible, we actually need to step back and do what we can to reduce the amount of unexpected things that come up so that when we do pay off debt or we do save, we know that that money is not going to be needed. Again, like we know that we're not going to have to add on more debt. We know that we're not going to have to pull out of savings because it's the number one thing that I hear from people is they they say, "Oh, you know, um, I I kind of move two steps forward and then I and then I fall three steps back." Um, and the only way that we can stop that from happening is actually not to straight away go after our goals as quick as possible, but it's actually to put things in place um, that minimise the amount of unexpected things that pop up. So having an emergency fund, having a system where you've actually accounted for all of your bills, not just the monthly ones, but also those big ones that come up every year, Uh, having a bit of a fund aside for car repairs um, or needing to pay, you know, excess on an insurance if something happens to your um, car. Having all of those set up first gives you the confidence That you can then progress towards your goal and you're actually going to make it towards your goal. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that I know we always say at work is life is not a straight line, it's a squiggly one. And I think if we don't prepare ourselves for the fact there's going to be ups and downs and like if things aren't always going to go to plan, then Mm. we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to do it perfectly. And I think yeah um that is one yeah unsustainable and and it's unrealistic and I think Mm. you know if we can if we can put those buffers in place to you know have give ourselves room that when something does come up it's Mm. fine we've got it covered we're cool we're sorted um that's a really big from like a peace of mind perspective as well Mm. um couldn't agree more (laughs) I think we will have to wrap it up soon. What is I guess for someone who is wanting to get started on their money journey but maybe feels overwhelmed and doesn't know where to begin, what is a tip you would give for someone in
1: that situation? Mm. yeah, so if if you're just starting out on your journey and listened to Nicola and I today and you thought to yourself, okay they've made it seem not as complicated as I'm making it out to be, or it doesn't have to be as boring as I'm making it out to be. Um, I can get someone to help me with the numbers. If numbers doesn't feel like my strong suit, like you realize that whatever excuse that you've given to yourself, um, isn't, uh, isn't, doesn't have to be there and we can find a way around it and you're ready to jump in and start to implement some of the things that we've spoken about today, then. I would say like number one has got to be then surround yourself with others who are where you want to be. So either find a friend who um, is, you know, already has a money system in place and ask if you can catch up with them and find out more about what they're doing. Follow some um, personal finance Instagram accounts just to see others who are already doing the things that you want to do and like surround yourself with that. Because as humans, we um, we hate change, right? <laughs> Everyone mm-hmm. hates change. No one wants to do something new. But if we can trick ourselves into surrounding ourselves with people that um, are already doing it, so it doesn't feel that scary, it doesn't feel like that much change, then yeah. we're automatically like, feeling that place of safety so that we can um, take, take action and things. We can start diving into it. Um, if you're ready to then start diving into it, Number one, I would say, is to just track your spending. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Just open up Excel and um, every single day for a week, just set yourself a goal of every single day for a week. Just write down, or if Excel doesn't float your boat, do it on a piece of paper. Just write down what you spent and how much. And the insights that you gain from just doing that exercise will honestly be so valuable. Can't even tell you how valuable it will be just from doing tracking of your spending for a week Mm,
0: because I think it creates it creates a level of awareness that we might not necessarily have on a day-to-day basis like we might even know how much is going in and going out but we might not know what that's on and then when we look at what it's on it's like oh okay maybe this isn't actually aligned with with what I want and I think the same goes for what you said about surrounding yourself with with people who are where you want to be because I think sometimes we we take money advice from um you know whether it's our parents or our friends or mm. our colleague and, and we have to stop and think like is that person actually where I want to be in five years or 10 years and if, if they're not maybe they're not the right person for me to take advice from yeah. um because you know you wouldn't ask your plumber to become your personal trainer and it's the same with your money yeah. like you want to you want to make sure you have the right um you know people around you and people giving you good advice so mm. um For anyone listening, where can we find you?
1: Cool. So if you're a couple, then um, the best place to head is to head to my website where I offer couples coaching. So it's hannahroserichards.com.au or send me a message on on Facebook, Um, just Hannah Rose Richards as well, Money Coaching. Um, Instead, if you're like young and just getting started or want a few just tips and tricks, um then i offer lots of these like tips and resources on instagram um the wealthy empath so find me on there
0: awesome hannah thank you so much for coming on the show i really enjoyed this chat we got through so much and yeah like i said we could talk for hours um but for anyone yeah wanting to find hannah i will link her details in the show notes and thank you everyone for tuning in have a lovely day
1: thanks nicola
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cash Talk. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about what we do here at AFA, follow us on Instagram at Wealth, or head to our website at afagroupwealth.com.au. Thanks for listening. See you next time.